Welcome back. This week, President Ninja's immigration order overruled. The Dems continue to lose their minds. And for the first time ever, we have an interview on this episode. Let's go, guys. This is The Flam Show. All right, welcome back, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us on the third episode of The Flam Show. Going to start out this week a little bit differently. And I don't know if we'll be doing this every week, folks. All right. But because of the increasing insanity that we're seeing around here and the heroic pushback we're seeing from some true patriotic Americans, this week, we have our first Flam Show Patriot of the Week. And that goes to my great friend and defender of liberty, Superior State Senator and Minority Leader, Greylat. So what did Greylat do to deserve such a prestigious honor? Well, I'll tell you what he did, folks. And it's... It's really just being a defender of liberty in the face of absolute insanity. So we're back in the state of Superior. I've already spent time going after the governor, going after their terrible attorney general. Well, now it's time for their terrible president of the Senate. Majority leader and president of the Senate, Levin Silva is now among the ranks of just awful Democratic politicians in the state of Superior. Maybe the list will continue to grow. Maybe there is nothing but rotten apples when it comes to Democrats in the state of Superior. But we'll see. They just keep on popping up, and I'm going to keep talking about them. So this week, in the Superior Senate, there was a bill, a tax bill, to introduce a more progressive tax rate for the state of Superior. It's a terrible bill, just off the top. Very progressive, raises taxes. Not a good bill. Not a bill that I support. Not a bill that most Republicans would support. Honestly, not a bill that most Americans would support. So naturally, Greylat, being the liberty lover that he is, Senator Greylat wants to amend this bill. Let's make it less bad. Okay. Well, the overzealous president of the Superior State Senate, Senator Levin Silva, decides that, no, nah, this is his baby. He doesn't, he doesn't want it to be amended. So, you know, he rules some basic amendments that would change the numeric value for the tax brackets as out of order. They're poison pills for the bill. 
Now, th this is obviously, obviously on the face of it, it's absurd. I mean, you have to be able to amend a bill in a normal, regular order procedure in a legislative body. And we've seen this before as well. But, okay, yeah, so what? So, so he ruled uh, a few amendments out of order. That's kind of the, the normal course of things. Well, no, not exactly. What really sets this situation apart from others is that Greylat introduced not one amendment that was ruled out of order. He didn't introduce five amendments that were ruled out of order. He introduced 10. Wait, no. It's a little bit more than that. He introduced 54 amendments that were ruled out of order by Senator Levin Silva. If that's not abuse of power, then I don't know what is. Because apparently we just cannot amend bills anymore if you don't have a D beside your name in the Superior State Senate. What's the point of, of the 45% or so of voters that came out and decided they wanted a Republican to represent them? What's the point? What's the point? You get 51% of the vote, you get a majority in a chamber, you ignore the minority. Because apparently that's how they do things in Superior. It's a legislature. It should be a deliberative body. They should at least have the opportunity to present amendments and make the majority vote on these amendments. Tell your constituents that you want to raise their taxes over and over and over again. The minority has that, right? But no. Nope. Guess not. Not in the state of Superior. So congratulations to Senate President Senator Levin Silva. You've joined the ranks of your terrible, terrible Attorney General and your ridiculous Ridiculously, just laughably awful governor, Governor Baines. Congratulations. I also want to give a shout out to Chesapeake Governor Goog, who in comments this week just nonchalantly remarked the best presidents were the ones that violated the Constitution. It's real big of you. It's very pro-America to just cavalierly come out and say that, yeah, you know, screw the Constitution. If you're going to be a good president, you might as well ignore it. It doesn't exist. So, glad you came out in the open like that. We need to see more honesty out of people on the left. Stop pretending that you, that you like the Constitution and that you care about rights. You don't care about rights. You want power. So, thank you for being open about that. On to the federal scene. We had the Supreme Court this week came down with a ruling in the state of Fremont versus United States. The case involving the executive order that I said, I said this two weeks ago, this was going to the court and the court would strike it down. And what did the court do? The court struck it down. Now, look, again, the actions taken by these ultra liberal governors were awful. Okay, they, they just want to act like we don't have any borders. 
and just just send everyone and let's not document them or anything you know just let the floodgates open i mean look i want more legal immigration but i want legal immigration okay we need to have legal immigration we need to have a process it needs to be fair it should be free it needs to be fair okay but the president responded to these awful executive orders by issuing his own awful executive order and unconstitutionally withholding funds that Congress had appropriated to be granted to the states. And he can't do that. And I said he couldn't do it then. And I'm glad to see that the Supreme Court came out with a unanimous decision on this matter and the case is closed. Hopefully the president will not engage in this kind of legislating from his desk in the future. That's not what we need out of our Republican president. So I, I'm sure he'll be doing better in the future. And I also want to get to, I just, I just want to run down some of the madness that the liberal leadership in Congress has been throwing at us. Like this is, this is what my job's been like over the past week. I mean, I, honestly, it kind of makes it easy because I just walk in the chamber and put my card in and push the no button. But it's it's ridiculous that we're wasting our time with this crap, you know. Um, first off, we this this obsession with hiking the minimum wage, like why why are Democrats so eager to price out low skilled laborers from the market? Like you do realize that one of the biggest predictors of someone's success in life is whether or not they can get a job early in life when they have no skills. If you if you can get that first job and make you know next to nothing because that's what you make when you're not worth anything because you can't provide any labor of value. Well, okay, but you build skills and then you get a better job. And you get a better job. Okay. Well, whenever you're making every single job have to pay $15 an hour, you're pricing people out of the market. Unskilled labor is not worth $15 an hour. Now, sure, there will be plenty of jobs that, that will do that. They will do that because they're getting enough value from that work. They need somebody to do it. But what about all the other jobs that the same company could have hired people to do? What about the fact that now they're going to be running these employees ragged? They're going to be in worse conditions than they would have been if this if if they weren't getting paid as much money. I mean, this is just basic economics, folks. It's basic economics. You cannot change basic economics by just writing a law that says you have to pay people this much. Okay. It's pathetic. Uh, <laughs> we also had a bill that would it would provide massive federal subsidies for bus passes. Again, it's it's just ridiculous. The federal government should have nothing to do with how local cities and municipalities run their transit systems. Not to mention that this is a blatant redistribution of wealth from the poorest Americans to wealthier Americans, okay? The poorest Americans don't live anywhere near 
where a bus route would go. They don't. Okay, the poorest Americans live in the country, but they don't vote Democrat. So, oh, okay, never mind. I guess that explains it. Uh, we had a green immigration bill. Green immigration. Why can't we just fix our immigration system? Okay, the people that are trying to come to this country legally and can't because our immigration system is trash, you really think they care if them <laughs> coming here produces a, a slightly smaller carbon footprint? What? I thought we are supposed to care about people. If we care about people, then we'll stop with this these jokes. Green immigration. You've got to be kidding me. It's just, it's laughable. It's laughable. Let's fix our immigration system. Stop virtue signaling by putting green in front of every single issue that matters. Because immigration matters. Green issues don't matter. In case I haven't made myself clear on that. Another green laughing stock, there was an infrastructure bill that was introduced this week that would literally pay localities and state governments to tear up roads, to tear up their roads. They would get paid money. Usually, whenever you have an infrastructure bill, you want to encourage the building of roads and the building of bridges. Not this bill. Nope, not this one. This one wants us to tear up our roads because civilization is not compatible with environmentalism. And they're usually not this transparent, but they might as well just be screaming it, okay? We can pick one. We can either live in civilization where human lives matter and where we can better ourselves and pursue what is best for each individual, or we can tear everything down and go back to nature because somehow that's better. It's ridiculous. The number of trees on this planet have no bearing on the morality of the people that inhabit this planet. The number of species that go extinct have no bearing on the morality of the people that live on this planet. And our ability to weather Extreme climate conditions will only be hurt if we move away from using every ounce of technology and innovation and genius that we have to deal with the problems that confront us in the future. This environment-first attitude has to go. It is literally killing us. And lastly, crypto bill. They just, they want to regulate everything. They want to regulate the internet and they want to regulate crypto. They want to make it harder for people to get GPUs, graphic processing units. I mean, what do you think is going to happen? What if you cap how many GPUs people can buy? The prices are going to go up. It's going to be harder for everyone to get hold of GPUs. And everyone needs GPUs in our modern society. But they'll just ignore Ignore basic economics. And they have to control the crypto. They just, they, they can't, they can't let anybody be free. They just can't do it. They cannot stand it. They see anyone with any ounce of freedom 
and they have to take it away. They have to. It must be regulated. That's what the Democrats do. Anyway, enough with the doom and gloom. I'm really excited today. You know, I spent uh, this past week at CPAC. Got to spend it with a lot of great conservatives. Got to hear a lot of great speeches. And I had the opportunity to sit down and record an interview with none other than Representative Hetch from Dixie's 3rd Congressional District. So I'll play that interview for you now. Enjoy. Here we are live from CPAC 2021. I am honored to welcome as the first ever guest in the history of the Flam Show, Representative The Hetch from my home state, the great state of Dixie. Hetch, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's great to be your first interviewee, and uh, it's good to be having my first interview on a radio show with another station in Dixie. Of course, you you know I'm a proud Dixian. First guest had to be a fellow Republican rep from Dixie. But hey, let's get into it. You had a great speech today on the American dream. So I'm just going to ask you straight up, what is the status today of the American dream? Well, currently, we obviously have overwhelming majorities in the states with overwhelming Democratic majorities. And from the ridiculous and punitive regulation and high taxes, it's taking away the capitalist dream that our um, founders had for us. But if we mobilize, we can bring that dream back. And it's been in ruts before, and every time it's come back stronger. And it's never been more evident that it's going to come back even stronger after this rut. Do you think that there is a particular policy area or single policy change uh, that'll really help us to get back in the right direction? I don't think there's necessarily one policy. I think it's not just a policy issue, but a cultural issue and people not recognizing that cultural responsibility to encourage kids to look up to um, role models such as lawyers, doctors, or even somebody in the industrial field like a welder. Opening opportunities for kids and um, even the general population right now that are generally looked down upon. I think it's this sort of American elitism that's been perpetuated by elites being the ruling class in government for generations that has really tampered the American dream. And we need to get ordinary views and ordinary people back in politics because that's the American population, people who just want to fulfill their role in the American dream and progress. Do you think that there's anything unique about our situation today? Or like, has the American culture shifted in a way that's particularly pernicious towards the idea, the whole concept of the American dream? I'm going to tell you a little story. My grandfather, he was born in a small farming town in the region of Wisconsin, and he was in the lowest echelons of the social class. and. The industrial base that was here back then and encouraged to be here with the shop class, the woodworking class, and the um, work skills class they had in high school allowed him to then become a design engineer at Schlitz Brewing Company. And he bounced from the lowest echelons to some of the one of the wealthiest parts of Wisconsin. 
And I feel like we need to encourage people to work with their hands and say that is dignified work. We need to encourage the middle class by bringing back industrial jobs that are so necessary to keeping the economy strong. And once the economy is strong, we're going to have a free market that's prosperous and that's going to allow for that mobility that is the American dream. And that's through policy and through schools by bringing back those hands-on work classes. So you obviously would like to see more of a focus on learning trades, going to trade school, getting working skills. Do you think that we currently overemphasize the importance of education, particularly higher education in America today, or maybe academic pursuits in general? I wouldn't say overemphasizing the importance of education, but definitely overemphasizing the need for a degree. Because you can read, you can educate yourself, but there are some skills that people can build that are outside of college that may lead to more fruitful careers for them. College is not for everybody. And I feel that the American school system and the American public has been really socially engineered into thinking that's the only way to be successful. And we've seen polar opposites of that with some of the wealthiest people in this country. And of course they got into those elite universities uh, it's really demoralizing people who don't get into one of those elite universities when they are seen as, oh, I'm not going to get a good job or I'm just going to be, you know, I pay have all this debt. There are other options that we can look at for people. And that is what it was in the 60s when the American dream was the strongest in the past, in my opinion. So let's step away just a little bit from the domestic aspect of this issue, what are the foreign policy threats to the American dream, not only here at home, but many countries abroad are trying to emulate our capitalist individual rights respecting culture that is a huge part of the American dream. What threats are there abroad? What should we do about that? Um, we need to stop the Silk Road Initiative that's being um, enacted by China. Many countries that they're approaching have enacted democracies when they used to have dictatorships. Countries like uh, Philippines, I believe, was one. Uh, Malaysia. There are many countries with more authoritarian forms of government, but they're trying to get to democracy. But they're then China is demanding, oh well, you're going to institute these policies. And a great example of this is Kenya. Kenya basically enforces Chinese law at this point because they are in so much debt. It's basically a debt trap. And we need to fight against that by offering infrastructure loans that don't have strings attached, but do have payments attached. And I guess that is a string, but you get what I'm saying. It's China that's the threat to the American dream because they're growing politically and economically. And the more influence they have, the more influence they have to spread their authoritarian and genocidal form of government. We need to stop that. Now let's shift down to the border. Uh, obviously, with all the crisis going on in Dixie and just with the border in general, you introduced a bipartisan piece of legislation that would criminalize a lot of what we saw from the Minutemen how do you see this situation going forward? And do you anticipate the president signing your legislation when it reaches his desk? Even if it doesn't get signed by the president, which I expect it to be signed, um, it has a veto-proof majority in the House of Representatives, and we will see what happens in the Senate. Um, 
but it was the least we could do. We're obviously Republicans and Democrats. We're not going to agree on what to do with the migrants coming across the border. But what I do think we can agree on is even if you're crossing the border, you shouldn't be under the threat of having a militia that's untrained in the field of border enforcement to um, prop to you could get shot by them. And we need to make sure that not only our citizens are safe, but even it, even the kids who come over the border are under that threat. And we need to prevent violence that is unneeded happening at that border because we have a great border patrol agency. We have great immigration enforcement agencies. We just need to use those resources and not have people who think that they can enforce law because that's being a vigilante. What are your thoughts on any prospects for some more comprehensive immigration reform bill passing Congress anytime soon? Well, I think if there is, if there continues to be a slight Republican majority in the Senate, it's possible that we see immigration reform to the respect of saying that even though this may go against federalism and could get into the courts, that states would be required to cooperate with federal immigration authorities, but there would be some sort of pathway to citizenship set up for those who do want a better life and have been here for 30 years. And obviously, our current system just doesn't function. There are tons of people who want to come to this country, and they have no legal way. So if they're going to get here at all, they have to get here illegally. What do you think about any changing attitudes in the Republican Party? Do you think there's an appetite for more meaningful immigration reform on our side of the aisle? I mean, again, is this something that we may be able to get done at some point in the near future? Well, yeah. First of all, we need to get rid of the lottery system. It should work like Disneyland. You get in a line and you then it's your turn. Um, I don't know if there's broad support for that, but there are definitely factions of the Republican Party that are supporting reform like that. And there are unskilled laborers from Mexico in this country, and there are that a lot that want to come into this country who do contribute to the economy and they don't always suckle away. Of course, there needs to be a pragmatic approach that's evidence and data-based. But I do think that overall, there should be less of a skilled requirement because it's like a point that we always talk about is um, immigrants are taking Americans' jobs. But there's been studies before that the unskilled jobs aren't being taken by Americans. So why would we want to restrict the unskilled laborers who could help us update our infrastructure, uh, produce food that could be exported all over the world? Why would we want to limit that and bring in skilled workers that actually are taking away jobs from uh, American citizens that are skilled in those fields, going back to the like college with being skilled? So that's just what I how I see it. I think that skilled workers are very important. And we should keep... Um, but we should also increase the number of unskilled workers, and hopefully the Republican Party supports that. Yeah, I absolutely agree with just about everything you just said. Let's flip that question on its head a little bit. Do you think that the Democratic Party actually wants to see movement on this issue? I mean, it's a big campaign issue for them. Are the incentives there for them to actually want to solve this problem? If they really wanted to fix the issue, um, we would have seen Governor Trippy Loins, who is doing a bunch of wacky stuff besides this. Um, we would see him more, we would have seen him work with Republicans and the a state assembly not going through this 
almost unconstitutional executive action. Um, well, it is unconstitutional, but his executive use of executive authority um, was really unprecedented. And they want to use it as a campaign issue because this is a manufactured crisis by trippy lines in the fact that if you're going to offer all these benefits, of course, you're going to have a surge of immigration. What I would have done is say the kids who are here illegally, well, um, that have been here illegally for the past 30 years, if I was trippy lines, not 30 years, but, you know, since they were kids, we'll be allowed to integrate into the school system. But anybody who comes after a certain date won't because, you know, that wouldn't have caused the surge that it did. Instead, he just offered blanket federal resources, which is unconstitutional, and then um, prosecuting and persecuting police officers who are just doing their constitutional job that they're obligated to do. Um, it invited a surge. It did not invite equality. I agree. I do not think that Tripp's actions on this issue are going to have the consequence that he wants out of this, other than to stir up trouble. But let's move on from that. Now, Hetch, what you got going on in the future? The coming months, weeks, years, all that. You're obviously up for re-election. What issues can we see you working on? What should we expect out of Representative Hetch here soon? So I'll be focusing on space, be focusing on guns, and I also want to be focused on establishing a template for state drug courts and then establishing federal drug courts so we don't treat addiction like a crime anymore because it's truly a disease that is extremely hard to get over and we need to and then on that same point we need to further enforce the laws that prosecute the people that get these um unfortunate people who have the addictions on in jail the dealers who sometimes even lace their products with fentanyl and that's causing an opioid crisis that's out of control well, it has been a fantastic experience. Thank you so much, Representative, for coming on, being the first guest on the Flam Show. Hey, the people of Dixie's 3rd Congressional District should be proud that they have such a great representative. Have a nice day. Vote Flam for Senate. <laughs> well, I appreciate the endorsement. And hey, thanks again for your time and enjoy the rest of CPAC. All right, and I'm back. Thank you so much again to Congressman Hetch for joining the show and shout out to anybody out there. If you're interested in coming on the show, love to have you, whether you're a Republican, Democrat, green, independent, whatever you are, if you want to come on the show, you know, we'll nail down some topics and uh, we'll just have a good time. Uh, just, just let me know, you know how to get in touch with me. And other than that, Hey, we're pretty much done. Be on the lookout a week. From today, I plan on having my election show up. All right, midterm preview. We're going to go through every race, every candidate. We're going to break it down. I'm going to tell you who's going to win, who's going to lose. And can the Republicans hold on to the Senate? Can we win the House? You'll have to wait and hear from me next week. But with that, that's all we have. Thank you so much for joining us. I'll see you next week. Thank you.